0: Well, um, let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. So I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And uh, I really like this start of Acts chapter 1. I've read it a few times. It just puts things nicely into context. So we will talk about the Holy Spirit Uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 1, and it says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. And uh, the reason I like this start is uh, it refers to the former treaties um, and you know, we believe that's referring to the book of Luke, but you could also lump uh, the books of Matthew, Mark and John in that. The former treaties uh, were writings about what Jesus did and taught. You know? So it was a distant thing. It's like here's the individual and there's Jesus doing things and teaching things. Um, it was a, an account of that. And then until the day in which he was taking up, taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he'd chosen. And so uh, after that, it was through the Holy Ghost that there was uh, inspiration uh, from the Holy Ghost, from Jesus Christ, uh, and it was a different thing. The Holy Spirit was within the person. And so it seems to, uh, to express it clearly there. And so um, the gospels really are in the old testament you know they're just uh, writing an account of what jesus did and taught uh, jesus himself grew up under the law um he was circumcised the eighth day they they offered the turtle doves as a sacrifice and he he did all those things went to the feasts and so forth as he was growing up so it was the old testament time and then there was a shift as It says in verse 2 that through the Holy Spirit, it's when it changed, you know, and we now are after that period, so we're in the Holy Spirit period. And so, um, the Holy Spirit is so important for us today. We don't live under the old law like Jesus did, but we live on un- through the Spirit and we're taught through the Spirit. So, um, we'll go to uh, Matthew chapter 16, bring out a couple of aspects of Jesus'. Jesus' walk, I suppose you could say. Life, maybe. Let's say just things. (laughs) Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. Matthew 16 and verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist; some, Elijah; and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock will I, bu- I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So I read this because uh, by inspiration As it says, Jesus said, Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, Peter, but the Father which is in heaven, and the Father is a spirit. And Simon Peter proclaimed that he's the Christ, okay? The Son of the living God. Now, the Christ is spiritual. It's the anointed with the Spirit. It's Christ. It wasn't just his surname. It was what he was. He was anointed with this Spirit. So Simon Peter, through inspiration, proclaimed that Jesus was the Christ. And so that was what was important, was the fact that uh, Jesus Christ was anointed with the Spirit. That was what was important, the Holy Spirit. Um, And then, yes, and then as I said on Wednesday as well, upon that rock, that rock, the understanding of, that Jesus Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit, with that understanding, that he was the Christ, will the church be built and the the, um, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the church that we have, we build on that understanding that it's a spiritual thing. The Holy Spirit is so important. Matthew chapter 8. And this is an odd scripture to read. The only reason I'm reading this scripture is it's the first mention in the Bible of Jesus referring to himself as the Son of Man, okay? So uh, we'll read it. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 18. Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I'll follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Okay, so he refers to himself as the Son of Man. He does not refer to himself as the Christ or the Son of the living God. He refers to himself as the Son of Man. Now I have been, as I said to Ali um, last night, it's a little tedious, but I've been going through the last few chapters of Ezekiel. (laughs) It's a little tedious, this long, that high. (laughs) Go and read uh, from, I think it's chapter 42 or 41 on, but in there it refers to Ezekiel as the son of man. Okay, son of man do this. I've shown this to you, son of man. Those same words Jesus refers to himself. We're all the son of man. We're all children of people. So Jesus diminishes himself here as just a human being. He does not refer to himself as the Christ. And I believe that's important. Okay? I believe it's very important. So go to uh, Luke chapter 23. And we know as you read through the Gospels, he often referred to himself as the Son of Man. Luke chapter 23. Luke 23 and verse 13. So Luke chapter 23 and verse 13. And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, said unto them, ye have brought this man unto me. As one that perverteth the people. And behold. I having examined him before you. Have found no fault in this man. Touching those things whereof you accuse him. No not yet Herod. For I sent you to him. And lo nothing worthy of death. Is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him. And release him. For of necessity. He must release one unto them. At the feast. That was a habit that uh, Pilate had and they cried out all at once saying away with this man and release unto us Barabbas who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into prison so the reason I'm reading this passage is it clearly says this Barabbas fellow led led a group of people an uprising in the city and committed murder Pilate, therefore willing to release Jesus, spake again unto, again to them, but they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired, but he delivered Jesus to their will. So Jesus Christ died as a criminal. Okay, He died as a man, as a criminal. Um so the po- reason I wanted to read this is um, he basically replaced Barabbas, who was a murderer, and Jesus Christ got Barabbas' sentence as a murderer, as a criminal, and that's how Jesus died. He was convicted, and I'll put inverted vert- commas here, for wrongdoing in the eyes of the authorities. John chapter 18 and verse 33. John chapter 18 and verse 33. And here's another account, a discussion between Jesus and Pilate. So John 18 and verse 33. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Okay? So the reason I brought these scriptures out before was he died as a criminal. He called himself the son of man. He diminished uh, himself, uh, the flesh aspect of him, he diminished. And here we have, uh, because this was part of Jesus' accusation, Uh, Pilate wants to see if he sees himself as the king of Jews. Verse 34, Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? And uh, we'll stop there. So Jesus clearly proclaims here, okay, in the context of him calling himself the son of man. Uh, he died as a criminal. He was convicted as a criminal. And here he says clearly that for this cause was he sent to be a king. Okay? Okay? And he says clearly here that uh, if his um, kingdom was of this world, then his followers would fight, you know. Uh, But his kingdom is not of this world. So there's that separation again now between what is of this world and what is not of this world. So Jesus came to be a king of another world. And now I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, so we understand what is that other world? It's the spiritual realm. Jesus Christ came with the purpose, it says to this end, was I born to be the king of the spiritual realm, not the king of this earth. And that's why he diminished uh, in the eyes of everyone his own flesh. His own flesh was like us. Fair enough, it was pretty amazing still. He still had that determination. He had that spirit in him to lift him up, to, uh, to carry that cross. And to, uh, to go through what his father wanted him to go through. So it was amazing in that way. But Jesus continually uh, put down the flesh. Because that was nothing compared to him being king, the Christ, in the spiritual realm. Acts chapter 1. Back to Acts chapter 1. This time we'll start in verse 6. And, um, and I, I think it's just so good that uh, no matter how hard we've tried, we still don't really know when Jesus was born. We still don't uh, really know where he was born exactly. There's mystery because it doesn't matter. That's what God's, We don't even really know where he died or was um, laid to rest. There's confusion there because it doesn't matter. Uh, Jesus doesn't want us to focus on that. There's no uh, contemporary paintings of him either. We don't really know what he looked like. Because um, Jesus wants us to concentrate on what's more important, i.e. him being the Christ. The king in the spiritual sense. So here we are, back at Acts chapter 1. And we'll start in verse 6. When they, therefore, were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? So here it is, before the Holy Spirit was poured out, his disciples, apostles as well, were wondering if, okay, now we're ready to fight for you, Jesus, to restore this kingdom. And how does Jesus respond? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So he entered into uh, the spiritual place with his father. As it says, he sat on the right hand of God as a spirit, not as flesh and blood, because his kingdom doesn't belong here. And then we'll go to um, chapter 2. Chapter 2, after about a week of seeking for this thing, this power from heaven, the Father will give it. And in verse 1 it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And we love that passage. That's why we read it so much. We love it because of the clarity. Okay, this is the power from heaven. This is the Christ being poured out, called the Holy Spirit, in this instance, and you speak in tongues. The Christ is now our king in a spiritual sense. So we now are like Jesus in that we have two components. We have the flesh that stays here on earth and we have the spirit which doesn't stay here. So we diminish what the flesh is and we build up what the the, uh, spirit does. Just as Jesus diminished his flesh but built up the Christ, anointing. That's the amazing and wonderful thing, the position that we're in because of the Holy Spirit. And the example of Jesus Christ just makes it so much clearer. Over to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Now I'm going to read this passage because it just words it really well and aspects that I've been thinking a bit lately um, another saint mentioned mentioned to me, which then grew uh, to put things into perspective. Okay, talking about the Holy Spirit. So Romans chapter seven and verse fourteen. For we know that the law is spiritual. Okay, the law was given by angels, by God. So the law is spiritual. But I am carnal, sold under sin. So you can see these two aspects that Paul is writing here. The law is spiritual, but I'm carnal. And you'll see that through the whole thing, the whole passage that I'm going to read. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So there's this separation going on. It's not me that does it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. And that's an amazing perspective, which I'm sure um, we've got so much to learn about that, don't we? Because we live in this body. But here it says, Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that does it, but the sin that dwells in me. Verse 21, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. So desiring to do good, there's still this evil, i.e. this sin that dwells in me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members. So that separation thing going on between spirit and flesh, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members or in my body. Oh, wretched man that I am, you know, this, this uh, warring that's in us, that's in Paul, this warring between uh, what the spirit, spirit wants and what the flesh wants, you know, or uh, what God wants and what sin in us wants. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, <coughs> but with the flesh the law of sin. And we will go straight on because it's a shame, actually, that there is a, a break in this passage with uh, the chapter, the next cha- going into the next chapter, <coughs> because it says in verse 1, there is therefore, okay, there is therefore. So it's referencing what was written before as a consequence of what Paul wrote about how I desire to do good but I can't And the reason I can't do good, it's sin in me. It's not uh, the spiritual side of me. And that desire to do good, it's sin in me. He's discarded it. He's diminished it. Like Jesus did his flesh. It's like, I'm the son of man. No, it's just sin in me that's stopping me from doing that good. And as a consequence, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore... Now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Okay? That's why there's no condemnation. It's sin in us that did it. And that stays here on earth. God is in the spiritual realm with Jesus Christ, and so therefore he looks at the spiritual side of things. He is the king. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. See now, this, this rhetoric here, it opens up and is being wonderfully positive you know after that toing and froing with wanting to do good and not being able to here it is opens up that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye, but us, sitting here today, we, we're not in the flesh. Yeah, we've still got this shell that we're dragging through life. And we didn't choose it, did we? We were born with it. So we're dragging this shell that epitomizes sin through this life. But we're not in this flesh. We're not in the flesh, but we're in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, i.e., and that's a, there's a spiritual aspect to that because we know our flesh is still alive, we're still breathing, we're still eating, we're still doing things. But in the eyes of the Lord, the body is dead. And what's important, when a body is dead, it can't sin. So miraculously, through the Holy Spirit, God cannot see the sin of our flesh if we continue to walk in spirit and in truth. If our priority is follow to follow the spiritual things the Christ to follow the Christ the body is dead because of sin but the spirit is life because of righteousness but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you and it's interesting how it says there he that raised up Christ It doesn't say he that raised up Jesus. It says he who raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or enliven our mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Jesus didn't raise himself from the dead. The spirit raised him from the dead. Like it will for us. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh because there's been a price paid already. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify or put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, just like Jesus Christ. Very powerful. It's a very powerful passage of the Bible there. Um... That explains what the Holy Spirit has done for us. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, and just one verse 28. Matthew chapter 10, and verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now that makes sense when we uh, think about the, uh, the difference between the spiritual and the carnal. And here's Jesus encouraging his followers, fear not them which kill the body, but they, have, they cannot touch the soul. Okay? Okay? um And in the modern context, you know we might not lead an extravagant life like so many others do, that uh, sow to the flesh and, and reap uh, things, but our soul is preserved, our soul is preserved uh, if we keep following the Lord. Um, Revelation chapter 12. So just to add to that, Revelation chapter 12. So this verse and also the next little passage will build on that concept. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9. So Revelation 12, verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. We'll just stop there. The reason I picked this and also the, the passage next, it refers to here clearly the devil, Satan, the old serpent, the great dragon, which deceives the whole world. Okay, Deception. Deception is not a good thing. You know, deception uh, leads to um, um, disorder. Leads to disorder. Um, uh, because the Lord wants unity, wants us all to be together, wants us all to uh, to be following him, rejoicing in him. He wants us to have peace. You know, uh, that's over and over and over again. It's written in the scriptures that he's called us to peace. And uh, Pastor Kevin talked about that at camp as well. Um, so this... Satan deceives the whole world. All right? So, of course, I'm trying to build a picture here, and I'm hoping you're coming along with me with this. Um, this deception, this sin, this flesh. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 7. Neither be idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Okay? So this passage here is the only one I could find in the Bible, where it clearly says in verse 10, were destroyed of the destroyer. Okay? They were destroyed of the destroyer. And it refers to the murmurers, but it could also be those that tempted, tempted God, tempted Christ, committed fornication, those that uh, were idolaters. You know, um, the destroyer, destroyed these things, destroy, break things down. That's the opposite to what the Spirit does. Okay, and so based on what we've been reading, the Spirit is life and that eternal. The carnal, the flesh, the sin. That destroys, deceives, and we've got that in us, okay? And that's why Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. <laughs> you know, I, I'm living this life <laughs> with this kind of weird balancing act, I, I guess. Um, I don't think that's the right word in this instance, but we've got this, this destroyer to break things down, to take away peace. You know, God wants to build up. We've got the, the things that destroy, that bring down. And it lists these things. Like I said, I'll list them again. Idolatry, fornication, tempting, tempting God, tempting Christ, murmuring. They destroy. They don't build up. Those things are things of the flesh. They are sin. That's the sin in people. The Spirit binds and, uh, and is righteousness in life any, ever, evermore. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so powerful if we let it be powerful, Okay? And that's the key. Let it be powerful. Penultimate scripture, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6. And verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil or the flesh or the sin in us, the carnal body. It's the same thing. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Right? So this provides a bit more clarity. You know, I'm referring to the flesh, the carnal body, but the aspects of that are actually spiritual. Okay? The sin is spiritual. The impacts of this world on us is spiritual. So the only way we can push against that effectively is if we've got the Holy Spirit in us. and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, excuse me, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds. That therein I may speak boldly, as I ought to speak, as we ought to speak. So, this armour of God, great little uh, snippets of uh, advice there. Um, and I like in the middle of that it says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Above all, take the faith. Faith is important. Latch hold of that, praying always. And then, like, the reason I finished in verse 20 is that we are ambassadors in bonds. You know, we're trapped, in a way, in this carnal body. Yes, we're being set free, you know, through the Holy Spirit, which is what matters, but we're here on earth and uh, we look forward to, um, to be with our Father forever, to be home. And that also puts things into perspective. We don't belong here. We are ambassadors in a foreign land. We don't speak the language here. You know, we're different just as Paul says here, I'm an ambassador. I'm looking forward to going home. And where is home? Home is in heaven, which is a spiritual place. So keep following the things of the Spirit. We'll finish up in First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. First Peter chapter five and verse six. There are a few scriptures today that were read out on Wednesday. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Okay? Casting all your care, communicating with him by praying, praying in the Spirit because he does care, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. To him be glory. And, uh, and the whole point of this with the, uh, the help of the Holy Spirit is that we are made perfect, we're established, we're strengthened and we're settled. Great little uh, words there to describe uh, the, um, the outcome that we want to see, that the Lord wants to see. Okay, thank you.